Good morning and welcome to Gateway. We are so excited that you guys are here. And here's just a couple of things coming up. Today, out in the lobby, the University of Charleston pharmacy students are going to be doing a health fair free of charge to you guys. So if you want to know your blood sugar, blood pressure, and a few other things, head out after the service in the lobby, and they will take care of that for you. Also, March 9th, we are having a huge Wednesday night. We are having a Brenner dinner for our small groups starting at 5.30, which is breakfast for dinner. And I know a bunch of you weirdos actually like that. But more than that, we are also having a game night in the lobby for everybody. That means adults, pre-K, uh, children's, high schoolers, all the way up. We are having a game night for every single person. If you have anybody who is from birth to three years old, you are still able to go into the nursery. That will be taken care of for you too. Come out, have an awesome time. Also coming up April 1st through the 3rd, we are having an 1825 Young Adult Camp at Howes Mill, and Gateway is hosting it. 1825 stands for anybody who is 18 to 25 years old. So if you're interested in more on that, go to howesmill.org. Also, church camp signups are happening for the summer now. So if you have anywhere from elementary to middle school to high school, and even uh, regular weeks throughout that summer, again, go to housemill.org to sign them up, get that early bird pricing, and have a great summer. Also, on March 20th, we are having an exciting weekend with Mark Middleburn. We're calling it the Contagious Faith Conference because that is actually the name of his latest book that he has just come out with. So if you're looking for a good prologue for the weekend, you want to pick up his book, Contagious Faith. You can get it on Amazon, on Kindle, and read that, and you will see kind of what you're expecting for the weekend. We are going to be having three different times at 9, 30, 11, and 6 that day that you are able to come out and hear different topics that he's going to talk about. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this weekend. At this time, we ask you, please stand and worship with us. Well, good morning, church. Come on, let's start our uh, service off with this focus verse and read it out loud together. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Aren't you thankful he's with us? Come on, let's worship. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your light, and there is no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us, every battle you've already.
of fear, I will turn into praise. Shake out despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in pain. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake out despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in pain. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. Oh, I love my fear, I will turn into grace. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a to him.
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. You're worthy, God. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
can have a seat and students can be dismissed at this time. Mark 2.12, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And suddenly, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves and said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. All right, well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see you here this morning. Welcome to Gateway. If this is your first time here. Thanks for coming over and deciding to spend a little bit of time with us today. Also, uh, if it's not your first time, then you might um, uh, have been here a while, then you've realized that we've kind of changed the order up a little bit. Typically, we have communion and offering time at the end of that last song, but we've moved that to the end because <clears throat> I want you to notice our response time last week, today, and the next couple weeks will include uh, time for, for these things. So you can, uh, at, at the end of the service, there will be two songs, and you'll be able to go to the communion tables, offering tables, and uh, do that. Come back to your seat, sit down, take the Lord's Supper. Uh, or you can also, you can come forward and talk to me about what your next steps are. What are your next steps in your faith? Uh, maybe it's, to, uh, you know, a, a profession of faith. Maybe to be baptized into Christ. Maybe it's to put roots down. Maybe it's to join a small group. Uh, there's lots of things that you might, you need, might be in your next step. You can also come up for prayer. And just remind you, uh, you can come here and pray on your own. Uh, you can stand there and pray at there, or you can pray at your seat. But you, if you want to come up and pray and we have somebody pray with you, 
then you can come to me or whoever's standing on the other side, and we'll pray with you. And of course, uh, this is pray for one, and you can write a name down. You can write the name of one person that you are praying for. Some of you did that last week. In fact, 250 people church-wide at all four campuses wrote down a name last week. Now, here at St. Albans, you can see the names out in the main lobby. You can see them there on, on that board over there where it says pray for one. Those are names. Now, I saw my name up there, and uh, I, that could be me, uh, although I have a relationship with the Lord, amen, uh, but somebody may be praying for me, but that could be another David as well. So just because you see your name up there, don't uh, assume that someone's praying for you, but hopefully someone is praying for you, right? So anyway, uh, that's what we're going to do at the end of the service in a two-song set today. That's our response time. I, I, you know, sometimes you don't have to explain things, but I wanted to make sure uh, we explained them before we get there, and then I'll do it again when we get there. <clears throat> so this series is a formative series. It really is. We've been in circle the wagon mode, uh, capital C Church, for the last couple years, wondering who's coming back, who's not coming back. Are we going to keep our doors open? There are a lot of churches closing their doors for one reason or another, and it is time to get out of our comfort zone, to uncircle the wagons and line them up and execute the mission that God has for us as Christians. Do you believe that? We have a mission as the church and as Christians, and we have to be about that mission. It is not about circling the wagons and making everybody happy uh, inside the circle. It is about carrying out the mission of Christ uh, that he gave to the church. So I believe God is going to use this series to bring revival to our hearts, revival to our, our church, And revival is when you're revived. It is not a seven-day event or a three-night event. It is when something happens in your heart, in the hearts of other people around you, that gets in tune with the heart of God. That's what we're trying to do. Now, I've been fighting this congestion uh, all week. It hit me last Sunday afternoon, so I'm about over it, but you can, I'm going to be clearing my throat too many times today. So that's, that's maybe why I sound a little bit scratchy today. But I can do this. I already did it once. I can do it again. And Tim, I'm looking at you. Uh, If I fall out, you rush up and catch me. Yes. Okay. So uh, this is a a formative series. We can can really see some change of momentum and of excitement and so many things. So just just imagine if during the course of this year, 250... And I know that number is going to get bigger as we go through this series. What if 250 people started coming to church for the first time? Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be awesome. 250 people. Now, I'll I'll say this a little bit later. It's not just about this church. It is about the kingdom of the Lord. And that's, what if 250 souls were saved because of, of our partnership with God, the Holy Spirit, and getting the gospel out and building a bridge and getting those people, it'd be an awesome thing. It would be exciting. 250 people, 250 souls God is asking us to bless. 250 people that God has put on your heart. I didn't come up with those names. I came up with one name. You came up with a name. Collectively, 
from Taze Valley to Beckley, we've come up with 250, and I know that number is going to get bigger even after today because there are a lot of people in our church who have on their heart one. Now, I hope you are taking this serious. I hope you're going to take it serious because this has the power to transform not only their life, but listen to me, it can transform your life when you see the result of what's going to happen, when you get serious about prayer and uh, concentrating on that one lost person in your circle. All right, so Mark chapter 2 is our passage. Thank you, Megan, for reading that. And uh, by the way, we're starting a new ministry, and it's the Scripture reading ministry. It's uh, doing what Megan just did. If you'd like to be involved in that at some point in the future, and you'd like to read Scripture, the Scripture text for the day, Uh, just let me or Joel know, and we'll get you on that list, and we'll tell you when you're going to do it. But we'd love to have uh, people involved in that. Mark chapter 2 is the passage we read today. It's an incredible passage. This is one of uh, of our favorite passages. As kids growing up, we hear this story, the story of the, of the, the, paralytic whose friends took him up on the roof and lowered him down through the roof so that he could uh, get to Jesus, have an encounter with Jesus. An incredible moment in his life, in the lives of all those people who witnessed this, and of course in the ministry of Jesus. Now, so as we look at this passage, I want to tell you that here's the the, uh, promise I'm going to make for you today. From this passage, you're going to learn what to do next now that you've written the name of your one on the papers and they land on the board, whether it's here, Taze Valley, Marmette, Beckley, what do you do next? What is the next thing that, that I have to do? And I'm going to walk you through it, all right? So let's look at the story, and then I'll tell you what it is that you need to do next. But first, let's spend some time in the gospel story. This is a story where Jesus goes back to Capernaum. We know from Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, that Capernaum became the home base. It became his home. As an adult, Jesus, you know, was born in Bethlehem, and his, his parents, you know, uh, spent some time in Nazareth, Galilee. But when Jesus was an adult, Matthew four thirteen, we learned that he moved to Capernaum. And this was a fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus fulfilled a whole lot of scriptures, a whole lot of them. This is one that he fulfilled even in his adult life, moving uh, to Capernaum by the sea. So this is, this is where he is. He is coming home, so to speak, to his home base. Now, archaeologists have discovered homes in this area. You know, there's a lot of digging going on in the, in the ancient world, in the Middle East, and they're finding all sorts of things that validate and confirm the Bible. Now, that's a good thing for Christians. Let me say that again. Archaeology, people love that. You know, digging up bones and such. Archaeology, every day, is finding new ways to confirm and validate the Word of God. I just want you to know that, that if you're a science lover, if you have a skeptic in your life, an atheist in your life, then uh, you just go to archaeology. That's one way that you can say, you know, this is validating the Bible. And they found homes in this area of Capernaum, and the largest homes there could hold about 50 people if people squeezed together, which was likely the case here in Mark chapter 2. They were squeezing together. In fact, they were not just squeezing together. They were spilling out onto the streets around the house, through the door, looking through the windows. 
You might remember this scene from the Chosen series. It was a full house. Now, these aren't, these aren't American homes. In our homes, typically we have five, six, seven, eight. Some people have 10, 12 rooms in their home where people can spend some time. These are Middle Eastern homes. Middle Eastern homes were kind of like a square. There was one or two rooms one or two rooms, and they were typically, and I've seen this, I've spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan, and you'll see this made of, you know, they, they use branches, and then they put that clay on there, and they're hardened clay. And so there's usually a set of steps that goes up the side, and you can get up on the roof, because a lot of stuff took place on the roof. They washed their clothes, they washed their bodies. You might remember King David, he noticed Bathsheba, she was bathing on the roof of her house. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you know, it was easily to accessible to get to the roof. Lots of work happened up there. You know, you might picture them heaving him up with a, you know, with a rope or something, but they, they probably just carried him right up the steps. It's what they did next that really was impressive when they dug through the roof. So imagine Jesus, picture him packed into one of these homes, lots of people there, and he's preaching or teaching. Imagine that, the word, preaching the word. He's the word. He is the word. He was in the beginning with God. He's the word, preaching the word. And uh, people were all around, spilling out the door, leaning in through the door, trying to get a glimpse of him, trying to see him, trying to see what's going to do, what's he going to do next? What, what am I going to see next? <clears throat> Back up one chapter in Mark chapter 1, and you read in verse 45 that Jesus healed, uh, he had healed a leper. And because he healed that leper, it was such a popular healing that Jesus could no longer go into the towns. The Bible says <clears throat> that he stayed out into the countryside. One version says he stayed out in lonely places. So, you know, we have only a glimpse of the miracles that Jesus did. Remember John's gospel at the end of it, he said, if we recorded everything Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. So Jesus was healing everybody. He was, he was eradicating disease in many places in that time. And it was such a popular thing that anytime he and his band of brothers, uh, the Dazzling Dozen, uh, stepped into a town, it was immediate uh, swarm, <clears throat> immediate swarming. So he's staying out in the countryside, but, but the, the Bible says that people were coming to him from every quarter, that's what the ESV says. Every place they were hearing about, where is he? And they were going to him. So now he's back into town, thus the big crowd. There's a big crowd there. He's teaching, and that's when these four friends go into action. These, you see, these four friends, they had written down the name of a one. Now, maybe it wasn't on a sticky note or on a board somewhere, <clears throat> but they had written on their hearts the name of a one. They all had the same one. He was a paralyzed guy. He was a paralytic who was, who was restricted to a life of paralysis. I was watching the news the other day, and, and, I, and I, noticed, uh, um, I noticed a guy who had prosthetic legs. You know, uh, a few years ago, several years ago now, uh, my wife and I and a co another couple from the church, we went up to uh, Walter Reed Hospital in uh, in, in D.C., <clears throat> and I don't know if you've ever been there uh, or ever heard about it, but that's, you know, that's where the guys who are wounded in war eventually end up, Walter Reed. 
And I, it, it's mind-blowing that, you know, it was, it, this was several years ago, so it was shortly after some of the wars that took place. And, um, you know, I, I myself had been in, in, over there, and it just so, it was amazing to see all these young, mostly young men, there were young women too, with, with prosthetic legs and arms and helmets and all sorts of things as a result of war. <clears throat> Listen, I didn't say this in the first service, but I should have. Shame on me. We need to pray for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, the people of Europe, don't we? Because war is ugly. It's ugly. And so, but today, even a paralytic has some mobility and can almost lead a normal life. Can you imagine a first century paralytic? What kind of a abandonment, what kind of life he could live? Had it not been for these friends of his, this guy would have been destitute and lost to history. We would have never heard or known anything about him. And just think of the millions who have been lost to history because nobody cared about him, and they died by rotting on the streets of their town. So this guy, thank God he had friends who cared about him, and they carried him up to Capernaum where a lot of miracles had been done before. We know from Matthew eleven twenty three, 23. And so they devise a plan that if we can't get through the door or to the door, we're going to go up over top. We're going to dig through that roof, and we're going to lower him down. And that's exactly what happened. And when he gets there, some people I know saw this as a disturbance. Some might have seen it as a distraction. Some saw it uh, maybe as a, as a nuisance, but Jesus saw it as an act of faith, didn't he? It's an act of faith. And, and here's a lesson I want to uh, show you here. <clears throat> Jesus said, the first thing he said, now I don't know what the crowd was looking for that day. I don't know what the people were looking for that day. I kind of suspect I know what the friends were looking for. But Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And here's the lesson for us. Here's a lesson as we go and get to what do we do next. Your one's greatest need is a spiritual need. Don't forget that. I know that sounds trite. It sounds simple. It sounds like, oh, we know that. But let me tell you what's going to happen in your life as you get serious about praying for and reaching out to one. <clears throat> the first thing you're going to notice is they have physical needs. Your one may, may, have, may be in a bad marriage your one may be weighed down with addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography. Your one may have a life that's a mess. I mean, it, it might just be a mess, and you're going to notice that. Your one might be homeless. Your one may be somebody who's, uh, you know, in and out of hospitals, and it's just, it's just chaotic for them. And the very first thing you're going to recognize is their physical needs, and you're going to have this desire to focus and concentrate on that physical need. Now, I know this can happen, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's happened to me. It's happened to me. I've, I've met people that needed help, and the help they needed was spiritual help, but the help I focused on was physical help. And you think, oh, wait, you're the preacher. You should never forget that they need spiritual help. I know, I know. It's just a moment of honest confession here. I've seen people out there on the street, and my first inclination was, oh, they need help. They need money. They need a place to sleep. <clears throat> they, need, they need help from this problem and that problem. 
But their greatest need is a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. Now, we've often said that it's hard to preach the gospel to people who are hungry. It's hard to reach people who don't have a place to sleep. So I'm not saying don't do that. Don't meet their needs. Don't help them with their physical needs. But don't let that overshadow the real need. We can, we can die in this life in all kinds of situations and still go to heaven if we know Jesus. But what would it be like if a church just focused on meeting physical needs? You know, that's called the social gospel, and it started years ago back in, the, you know, maybe the, the, after the uh, World War II. Churches really got involved in what was known as the social gospel, which was, uh, you know, let's just meet their needs, and then maybe they'll find their way to Jesus but what was happening there is the church got involved in a whole lot of need-meeting ministries, and they forgot, they forgot to share Jesus. In fact, let me just tell you a story, and I didn't share this the first service. I should have, but it just came to me. We have a guy in our church, and he was here last service. <clears throat> we have a guy in our church who was working at a, at a place, a church, working at a church, not one of our churches, working at a church that was helping to meet physical needs of people. He was helping. He was working there. And, uh, and, and one of the things he, he began to do was he began to pray. He said, you know, uh, we're, we're serving food here, so let's pray. But um, uh, when word got back to the pastor of that church that here was somebody praying in Jesus' name before the people ate, you know what he did? He stopped the praying. He said, no, no prayers. We don't want to Pressure these people with prayers, with the gospel. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but I know what I think about that. And um, he asked me what I thought about that, and I told him, I said, I think I'd stop praying over there. I think, I'd, I, think I, would, uh, I think I would get involved in something where people appreciate that the greatest need people have is a spiritual need. You can, you can go to hell hungry, or you can go to hell full. You can go to hell with your belly full. You hear what I'm saying? Don't ever forget your one's greatest need is a spiritual need. There's a lot of sad situations and messy lives in this world, but the saddest picture is the picture of someone who does not know the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> Jesus never did anything without a purpose. He saw the greater need in this man's life. So when he forgave the man's sins, it caused everyone to wonder what he was up to. Obviously, that's not what the friends expected. They expected our friend is uh, a paralytic. He needs healing. He needs to walk. We didn't let him down here to have his sins forgiven. We just want him to walk. And Jesus knows our greatest need. And they probably, the crowd was probably looking for, for some kind of a miracle too. You, you remember back in Matthew 11, Jesus uh, pointed out to them that lots of miracles have been performed in your town. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 11, if half the miracles that were, this is my paraphrase, if half the miracles that were performed here were performed over here, this whole town would be coming to Jesus. But you had twice that many, and you still struggle with naming me as Lord and following me. So they were probably looking for a sleight of hand or a miracle worker or something here, but that's not what Jesus gave them. He gave the man what he needed. And who else was there at that day? Remember, the religious leaders were there. They were in the crowd. They were in the crowd, and they were 
muttering to themselves, or as this version says, questioning in their hearts or thinking to themselves. Now, we don't know really what's going on here. If they're, if they're saying this out loud or if they're just kind of getting that look on their face, you know, crossed arms and shaking their heads or if they're actually talking, but G- it doesn't matter. Jesus can hear the words or he can hear the thoughts. And he knew what was going on here. <clears throat> he knew the resistance he was facing. And that's, that's a second lesson we can learn along the way. As you pray for your one, as you try to reach out to your one, remember, there's going to be some resistance. Expect resistance in the life of your one. Your one may resist you. <clears throat> you, may have, you may have really stepped up to the line with courage and said, I'm going to pray for, for this person because they're an atheist or they're antagonistic. And you're really really up for the challenge because you know there's evidence out there for the existence of God and for the uh, validity of, of, the, uh, of the Bible and the, let me throw another big word out there, a historicity of Jesus' life. <clears throat> you know it's all true. And so you're going to pray and try to build a bridge to reach them with the truth, with the evidence of, of the gospel, of this message. And so they may resist you. Their friends may resist you. You know, if you try to pull somebody up out of the gutter, there's five people pulling back down because they don't want to lose their buddy. It's a whole lot easier to pull down than it is to pull up. And who knows, the religious establishment may offer resistance when a church starts reaching the undesirables in their community. Just imagine, again, the Lord's putting other things on my heart today in this message that he didn't last last message, but you know right now in the addiction and drug community, there's money flowing left and right, and people are making money. Groups, uh, you know, Dennis, our, uh, our recovery minister, he tells me there are places that are frauding, he knows, frauding the government right now just to get the money, and they don't have any kind of a legitimate recovery place for addicts. Just imagine if we could save all the addicts, not, not us save them, but if we could get them into a relationship with Jesus and the money would stop flowing. Do you think people would like that or not like that? They would not like that. It's just like as he can. But we remember the scripture, 1 John 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen to that. Again, Jesus never did anything without a purpose, and these leaders had taken the bait. And so Jesus said, I'm going to show you. series is so captivating because you get to see what people might have done and how they would have expressed themselves and reacted to a firsthand viewing of a miracle like this. They said, and Megan read, we never saw anything like this. In Luke's account, in Luke 5, the Bible says amazement seized them all and they glory. What, what's the word about what should we do next? We got the names. We're going to write them down today maybe. Some more are written up here, some are out there. Well, I'm going to put number aside. I'm not talking about praying now for the, the uh, Ukraine or the world. And you can do that if you want to. But I'm talking about a specific, intentional, focused time to pray for one. 
That's what the time is about. God, I'm not coming in here to talk about what I need. I'm not coming in here to talk about my wife. I'm not coming in here to talk about my friend who was diagnosed with this. I'm not coming in here to talk about this or that. I'm not talking about the world. Lord, I just want to talk to you about this one person, just this one. And you might think, well, that's not a very long prayer, or you'd be surprised. Pray. I'm assuming that's what you're already doing. Okay, so what's next? From the story, I want to give you two, two to do. I've got to attend this. I've got, to, I've got to go over here and do this. They did whatever it took to get their friend there. That's got to be our attitude, whatever it takes. You know, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians and a lot of churches we're not, who aren't all these methods, but you never change the message. Never them. We might have to, we might have to spend some money that, we're not sure it's going to be there. I want to tell you, God's pockets are deep. It's like the preacher said, you know, uh, that one preacher who was there starting a campaign, and he said, the good news is uh, we got all the money we need. I'll provide. I'll provide. Whatever it takes. What's it going to take? It's going to take words, prayers, yes, but words of encouragement, words of affirmation. It's going to take action. It's going to take uh, acts of service, acts of humility, writing cards, sending texts and emails, making phone calls, serving a meal, shaking a hand, giving a hug. Start to happen. Things will start to happen. It's going to take words and action and love, whatever it takes. Let's be, let's be willing to do whatever it takes. And here's the second and last thing. Whatever it takes, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. You know, we're not about human effort for our own benefit. We're not, about, we're not about doing whatever it takes just so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look at this ministry we got. Look at the things we're doing. L- look at the incredible stuff our people are doing. No, no, it's not about us. It's not even about this church. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about bringing people to Jesus. There was a time in the ministry of Jesus where he was teaching some hard teaching there in John chapter 6. And he was teaching about uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You remember this passage? And the Bible says that some of the disciples decided they, they couldn't accept this teaching, and they left him. Now, remember this passage, and you'll remember it after I tell you, because it's John six sixty six. I don't know if the guys that did that... I meant to do that, but John 6, 66 says, his, and this is my paraphrase, his disciples left him. They left him. In other words, they said, this, Jesus, you've gone over the top now. You've, you've gone too far. Jesus turned to his this other, the 12, and he said, hey, guys, what about you? You want to leave too? Because now's the time. Now's the time. If you want out, now's your, now's your door. You can go. I mean, this is kind of a this is kind of a line in the sand right here. Uh, you know that you got to believe it's about me eating my flesh, drinking my blood. Of course, he was talking about total commitment. He was talking about the cross. He was talking about what was going to happen after the cross. He was talking about communion. And Peter said, and I love Peter. Sometimes stuck his foot in his mouth, but he said the right thing here. He said, "Lord, to whom shall we go?" You alone have the words 
of eternal life. Some versions add alone. You have the words of eternal life. Peter said a little bit later in Acts 4.12, it's the name of Jesus and that salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So whatever it takes, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to him. Get out of the way. Don't let your, if you're single, don't let your romantic intentions get in the way of this if this is a person of the opposite sex. Bring them to Jesus. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And I want to tell you, this could be the greatest moment in your life. And it will definitely be the greatest moment in their life. Bo Chancy, who wrote that book, Pray for One, he has a quote at the end of his book. I thought I had it on the screen, but maybe I don't. Do I have it on the screen? Uh, okay, I'll read it then from my page. He said, I love this quote from Bo Chancy. <clears throat> he said, I have never met anyone who prayed for one, got one, and then thought that one was enough. So it was kind of an addictive thing here is when you end up in the baptistry over there baptizing your one, you're going to be like, what do I do next? You know what you do? You pray for another one. Pray for another one. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing and we're going to take the Lord's Supper, give our offering. We're going to come up here and pray. We're going to write names, but we're going to worship. So would you stand with me as we do this? Almighty God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to pray for one. Help us, Lord, to get serious about it. Help us, Lord, to do it. Like the four friends in this story, help us to do whatever it takes to bring them to you. Whatever it takes. And Lord, there's so many things, so much creativity that can go into that. I can't wait to hear the stories, Lord, of how you're going to work through your people to bring people back home to you. I can't wait to see the baptisms. can't wait to hear the professions of faith, the, the memberships, and the, the people, God, who are going to say, I want to join in. I want to be a part of this army to reach lost people. That's my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Visit the tables. Uh, worship. Uh, you can see the slide behind me.
part of our response time and
job. Thanks, everybody up here. I love it when my batteries go dead during the response time, getting everything out of them. Hey, thanks for coming today, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for getting into this with us. Remember, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. God's going to bless you when you draw closer to him in this. So let's pray for one. I think it's such a transformative uh, thing for our church to do this. Uh, I want to congratulate our campus minister from Taze Valley, Brian and Ashley, had their little one last night. So uh, you can check out their Facebook page. Ruby Gale, Ruby Ann, Ruby Ann, Ruby Ann, a uh, little bitty thing. So check that out, and when you see Brian, send him uh, his uh, your best. Also out in the lobby, there are some medical personnel. That's Shelly Sleeser, one of our own, with her uh, UC pharmacy students. And they're checking blood and doing things like that. If you'd like to talk to them about what they're offering out there, then feel free to do that. They have a wealth of knowledge and information, and they're students. So uh, try to throw them your medical condition and see if they can guess it, you know? <laughs> Help them out. Challenge them. Anything else, Joel? All right, God bless you. Uh, love that sunshine out there. Get you a nap if you want, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless. We're so glad you joined us here for worship today at Gateway. If you haven't already, check the comments section for links for how you can stay connected, send in prayer requests, or even give online. We know many of you are already involved with our Campus Life Facebook groups, but if you haven't joined yours yet, make sure to do so today. It's a great way to just stay up to date with everything that's going on and get more detailed information on announcements. Don't forget, we have groups for early childhood all the way through student ministry, so parents, you don't have to miss out on anything either. Well, we are super excited to be heading into this new theme of Pray for One for the rest of 2022. And we hope that this won't just last for a year, but that it will be a change for your entire prayer life. So don't miss out on any of the sermons in this six-week series. And if you happen to miss one, just go to www.gatewaychurch.net, click the sermon link, and find any of our previous sermon series or messages to catch up on. We hope that you are all staying safe and healthy and that we'll see you back here next Sunday.